And man, God did some really neat things in this place last night. So I want you to turn to probably one of the most incredible Holy Spirit passages that you can bring to mind, and that is Leviticus chapter 6. Oh, you thought it was going to be Acts chapter 2, didn't you? Leviticus 6. How many of you believe God's got something in his whole word, the whole word of God? Amen? And everything leads to something else. Everything's going somewhere else. And I do just want to make quick mention, you know, there are people that have a part in your life that, that God really uses to help transform your life, and they don't even know they did it or did anything. But I can tell you right now that Terry and Jim, those two were on both sides of a, of a critical decision that Tanya and I were going to have to make before we went into full-time ministry. And God used both of them to really provide a place for me to function in my giftings. And God used their giftings to, to impart to me that got us into the full-time ministry. It wasn't just all in this building that God used to pour out his spirit. God used gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. God used gifts of the Holy Spirit through those two people to get us in the full-time ministry. So it is a privilege and an honor for them to be here tonight, especially for Tanya and I. It means a whole lot. God bless you guys. All right. Just like we did last night, we've done praise and worship and we've prayed, but I'm going to ask you to pray one more time, and we're going to pray for me because I need it, all right? You don't need a word from Scott. We need a word from heaven tonight, okay? So, Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus and uh, Jesus, we thank you right now that you not only paid for all of our sin on Calvary, but we thank you that you didn't leave us here on earth alone, that you sit at the right hand of the Father right now, ever interceding for what's about to happen in this place right now. And we thank you that we're not alone, but you sent the Comforter and the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Almighty God that raised you from the dead, Jesus, to dwell in us, that we would not be alone, and that we would be able to be led in every area of our lives through the power of in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we give you free reign. As this word, as this word is released, this living word is released, Holy Spirit, we ask you right now, in each temple that sits in this place tonight, each temple, these bodies, temples of the Holy Spirit, speak to us in a way that we as individuals can understand it and see it clearly. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Leviticus chapter 6, and let's go to verse 8. We're about to read what we would consider somewhat of a type and a shadow of what's to come as far as the Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit is, is spoken of as not just the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit and fire as we get into the Gospels and as we get into the prophetic nature and, and titles of what the Holy Spirit would do and who he was. And so here in Leviticus, they're laying out some, some laws and they're laying out some some order. Let me tell you something. Just because you're filled with the Holy Spirit and God pours out his, his gifts in your life, it doesn't mean that God is a God of chaos. He's still a God of order. Yes. Amen. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean that we need to micromanage the presence of God because we need to take our hands off of the glory of God. Man can't put his fingerprints on that. Man doesn't need to put his fingerprints on that. But it also doesn't mean that, okay, all of a sudden we're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a free-for-all. Everybody can do what they want to do. You know, tell somebody whatever you want to tell them. Whatever feeling you get, tell somebody. Let me tell you something. Be very careful when you say, hey, thus saith the Lord. Amen. You know, we, we kind of make it... Um, a part of our process and when people come to the altar and, and our people that come down and really, uh, we have a pretty free, I would say, free atmosphere where there's a lot of stuff going on and, and, and a lot of uh, prophetic people that have that gift are just 
uh, communicating and giving words, but one thing that we're very, very careful of is when we come up, it is, hey, I sense the Lord is saying this because when, when God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, filters through these imperfect vessels, sometimes what needs to be said sometimes gets a little hairy. You know what I'm saying? Because we filter it through these personalities. And so be very careful in saying, thus saith the Lord, all right? God is putting things in order, and he's not just putting things in order for the, for, the, for the children of Israel. He's not just putting things in order for Israel. He's not just putting things in order for the priesthood. God knew, and he knew everything that was to come. So everything is being set in order for what is to come and who is to come later. God is setting everything in order. So that when Jesus comes, he's not just coming in the present, but he's coming from the past. And he's going to be able to relate to the past, to these Jewish believers who are coming to him to become disciples. That he has a context of which to go back to that they know by heart. And he's able to say, I am that. That which you knew intellectually, now you're going to know spiritually. They that worship me must worship me in what? Spirit and in truth. And so in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. You know, an altar is not a bench. An altar is your heart. An altar is wherever you put yourself in the presence of God and say, Lord, here I am. An altar is wherever you are where you present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. Amen? Sometimes the only problem with a living sacrifice is it can crawl off the altar. <laughs> it doesn't wait to be consumed and purified. But anywhere you are can be an altar. It's not a piece of furniture, but it, and it is not even really a place. It is a heart. It is your heart. It is bringing yourself holy and acceptable to the Lord. And so he says, the fire upon the altar burn all night until the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. How many of you know it's important that the fire of the Holy Spirit burn continually in your life? You don't need just one filling when you went to camp or a service and everything was cool and you felt all the goosebumps and everything was good and you may have spoken tongues or you may have done something else, but the Holy Spirit was not given to you for a moment. He was given to you for a life. When Paul tells them that, you know, be filled with the Holy Spirit, that connotation of be filled is a continuation of being filled. Continue being filled. I don't need what God had for us last night. I need what God has right now. I need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we are leaky vessels. Right? So he says, and the priest shall put on his linen garment. Now he, he puts on a garment. And his linen trousers, and he shall put on his body and take up the ashes. Now the, the, the fire has come and has burnt up the sacrifice, and there are ashes. What does that represent? When the Holy Spirit comes in your life, we have made the Holy Spirit this guy who comes and makes you feel all good, but he is the convictor of sin. And when the Holy Spirit comes, we're, we're singing things we don't even know we're singing. Send the fire today. And we're thinking, man, the fire is going to make me feel real good. When the fire comes, the fire comes to purify. And purification and fire hurts. 
Because it's taking all the junk that has attached itself to our life and it's burning away all of that. It's burning away the dross. It burns it away and it's purifying us. So we say, Lord, create in me a, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me and give me clean hands and a pure heart. And we don't even realize that in order to have clean hands and a pure heart, the fire has to come and burn it all away. That's a rough process. Everybody with me? You ever seen when they're in a mill and, and, and fire is getting put to something, whether it's, whether it's metal, whether, whatever it may be, that fire gets put to it and you see a melting. And in that melting, you see stuff come to the top. And when it comes to the top, you see him. And he comes by with this, with this scoop and he's cleaning everything off the top. And it's the junk that didn't need to be there that is burning away, melting and burning away and coming to the surface. It's exactly what happens to us with the fire of the Holy Spirit. When the fire of the Holy Spirit comes... All that mess that we have in our lives. I'm not just talking about a salvation experience with Jesus. I'm talking about afterwards, attitudes, circumstances, wrong thinking. All of a sudden that mess is in us. We're saved. We've got our ticket. But he said it's not just about the ticket. It's about being continually filled. When I got saved, it was awesome. But he left me here. And he's telling me that my attitudes and the power of the Holy Spirit is so that people can see the kingdom come to the earth. Kingdom principles, kingdom precepts, that they can see a little bit of glimpse of what heaven is through somebody. Come on, somebody. You guys good? I know it's raining outside, but the rain of the Spirit's in here. Amen? All right. So let's go on. He, he's putting on these clothes and he's getting ready to pull out the ash. And it says, which the fire has consumed on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments. Now, here's the deal. He's gone in. He's, he's in one set of clothes to get the ash. When the fire of the Holy Spirit comes in your life, it burns up the stuff. And guess what? When it burns up the stuff, it's not gone. There's ash. There are some people who come to the altar, get prayer, fire of the Holy Spirit comes, burns up whatever it is, and there's still an ash pile inside, and they walk out, and they wonder, God, why don't I feel, why, is, why are things still, they didn't clean out the ashes. See, the Holy Spirit did what he was supposed to do, burn it away. Now you need to get in and clean the ashes out, which means you need to think differently. You need to speak differently. You need to give differently. You need to do differently. Come on. What is that? That's cleaning the ashes. Well, when you clean the ashes, you need a certain set of clothes. You need to be clothed in something. The Bible talks about the whole armor of God. You need to clothe yourself. And as you clothe yourself and you remove those ashes, when you remove those ashes, guess what? There's a new set of clothes sitting there. And what are they? They're clothes of righteousness. Okay, you guys okay? Leviticus is coming alive. Some of y'all been avoiding this book. You've been saying, well, I read the Bible through in a year. You speed read Leviticus in about three seconds. That's about how long it took you to get the pages past so you could get to the next deal. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being a little facetious tonight. Then he shall take off his garments and put on other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place and the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it it shall not be put out and the priest shall burn wood the priest now has to bring something to keep the fire burning the priest 
has to have something to keep the fire burning. When you pick up this sword, you're picking up a piece of wood and you're laying it on the fire. When you get up in the morning and you say, Lord, I come to you right now. Before I say anything to anybody else, I want to talk to you. You're putting wood on the fire. You're putting wood on the fire. You're doing your part, what God's called you to do. It says, you shall put wood on it every morning. <laughs> and lay the burnt offering in order on it. Not only your steps ordered, but God wants you to begin to order your day. Does God get a tithe of your time? You have 24 hours every day. That means you have 168 hours every single week. If I looked at your calendar at 168 hours and you told me how much you worked, how much you slept, how much you looked at the internet, how much you played video games, how much you looked at Facebook, how much time you give to God, would there even be a tithe of the week to God? What separates the people who can do it from those who don't? It's not that they're more busy than the other. Everybody's doing something, and everybody is busy. Now, busy is a relative term, because sometimes busy is just... Man, I wish they put some new movies on Netflix. This is horrible. And then you end up watching King Julian for the next four hours, not even knowing why. Or you're watching Madagascar for the 15,000th time, and you don't even know why. But I'm busy. Everybody's got the same amount of time. See, everybody in this room may not have the same amount of money. You may not live in the same kind of house. You may not have the same kind of family. But everybody in this room has got the same amount of time. And the ones who rise to the top are normally the ones who give the most to God of that 168. That's a good word. It says, every morning and lay the burnt offering in order. He's ordering out. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. We got some spiritual fat in our life that God needs to burn away. And then verse 13. I love this. A fire shall always be burning on the altar and it shall never go out. How many of you tonight came into this place going, Lord... I want the Holy Spirit to burn on the altar of my heart and never go out. In a bad day, still burning. I'm putting some wood on the fire. On a really, really bad day, I'm putting on different garments and I'm cleaning the ash pile out. And then I'm going to put on other garments and take it to a clean place and put a fresh piece of wood on the fire. I hadn't read my Bible in 10 days, but you know what? Guess what, God? I'm going to get these ashes out of the way. Holy Spirit, come burn away all this stuff. I'm going to get the ashes out of the way. I'm putting on new clothes today, and I'm going to a clean place. I may not have read it in 10 days, but I'm going to put a piece of wood on the fire today. I'm reading it today. The Holy Spirit came upon Christ as he was baptized as a dove. Why? Because Jesus wasn't full of sin. He was pure and holy. But when he comes upon humanity, initially, it's not as a dove. It's as a fire. Because we are sinful. We are carnal. We are fleshly. And so he doesn't come as that little dove. He comes as a fire. Why? Because we need him to burn away stuff from our lives every day. 
He comes as a blazing fire to burn up every trace of sin. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Fire convicts us of sin. Holy Spirit fire brings to light the darkness. Fire burns impurities to bring a life of holiness. Now, last night I didn't do this, and I'm not normally a one, two, three, four guy. But we're going to do that tonight. I don't have the Baptist Assembly got three points. I think I actually have four tonight. So we're like points on steroids tonight. All right, you guys ready? All right, how do we keep the fire burning? Turn to your neighbor and say, how do you keep the fire burning? I'm glad you asked. Number one, brokenness. Brokenness releases the flame. In Judges chapter 7, we see Gideon's army comes together, and he gives them some instructions. And he says, you got a torch, but there's a pot over that torch. Now, when I give the word, you can't see the flame. There's a flame in there, but nobody can see it. But when I give the word, break the vessel, and then they'll see the fire. You are a vessel. When the vessel is broken, people can see the fire. When the vessel is broken, when the vessel is proud, there is no light. There's only darkness. But when you break the vessel, people can see the light. And where there's light, there is no longer darkness. See, darkness is not a thing. It's the absence of something. You guys get that? It's the absence of something. It's the absence of light. Because the moment light shows up, any light, you can be in the darkest closet in the whole entire house, but if there's any light at all in that house, it will creep through that door and you'll be able to see a little of something. See, sometimes all it takes for you is just a little bitty light so you can see a little bit of your path. Because God's not saying, I'm taking you to the end. I just want you to go one step. Sometimes that means getting the hammer out and breaking the vessel. See, sometimes the Holy Spirit will do it, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will convict you to do it. Sometimes you've got to put the hammer in your own hand and break some things open in your own life. There may be some attitudes. There may be some, some things that you have put in your life that have just become habit. It doesn't mean they're the worst of the sinful things, but it's things that are taking you away from that fire of the Holy Spirit. Brokenness. What needs broken in me so the flame of God can be released? Is it my arrogance, my complaining? Could it be my vanity, my pride, my fault finding? What have I allowed to become a cover hiding my flame? Maybe it's my false humility, which is pride. Well, no, somebody can do it better than me. That's not humility. Sometimes it's false humility, and false humility is just as prideful as pride. Stop being backward and stop apologizing that God has anointed you. This isn't about spiritual elitism. There's a reason why Jesus went to the cross. Because when he went to the cross, it was for a Roman soldier. It was for a pauper. It was for a street vendor. It was for the high priest. He went to the cross not so that people could put people in order, but so that the ground could be level. No longer are we passing anything up and down. We have one vertical relationship in our life, and that is us and the Father. Everything else is horizontal. We're not passing anything down. We're passing something across like a baton. 
When I turned 45 years old, God gave me a word on that day. And he said, the next 15 years of your life is about what you give away, not what you get. And I'm a little bit in that journey right now, and I'm trying to give away everything I have. Which means if I'm trying to give away everything I have, I better be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. Because you can't give something you don't have. Amen? Brokenness. Don't keep the light in a pot. Let it be exposed. Become broken. Allow God to break your clay pot today. Number two, desire. Everybody say desire. Desire means a yearning, a longing, a consuming passion, an insatiable hunger. The process and effects of fire will bring challenges because where there is fire, there is change. Everybody wants to pray that the fire of God will come, but nobody wants to change. Lord, send the fire, but I don't want the service order to change. When the fire comes, the service order is gone. One, two, three, A, B, C becomes A, H. God starts speaking different things to bring new order for the new season. Some of you are still in stalemate because you're in the last season and you're wondering why everything's out of order. That's because you haven't set a new order for the new season. Desire. Because when the fire comes, there is change and where there is change, there is conflict. Chinese believers fasted for 21 days because they hadn't seen anyone raised from the dead in three weeks. They thought something was wrong. That's desire. You don't have to be a spiritual superstar, look like you have it all together. All you got to do is have desire. Whatsoever ye desire, if you believe when you pray, it's yours. Whatsoever ye desire, that's what Mark says. Whatsoever ye what? desire see sometimes we got the word right but we have the point of desire wrong we know all about desire but it's not knowing about desire it's about knowing what we need to be desiring we desire a lot of things but sometimes it's not godly things everybody's committed to something I mean, we walk around and go, man, they're not committed, they're committed. When I was a drug addict, I was committed. I was committed to be a drug addict. I may have been worthless in some people's eyes, but I was committed to that. It's not a matter of commitment or desire. It is a matter of what you are desiring, what you are going after, what you are committed to. Number three, decision. We talk a lot about the Holy Spirit fire, but a lot of times we talk about it and we're moved by it because of what the Holy Spirit does, not what we have to do when the fire comes. There is a decision that has to be made. Like tonight, as we open up for whatever it's going to be, I mean, we call it an altar call, but really it's just an opportunity to activate the word that's been released in your life. That's what we're doing. See, we're not going back to the origins of an altar call. Altar call, the origins of it was that the priest... No longer was there conviction of the Holy Spirit in the house and the priest literally had to pull people forward to an altar call. So I'm not pulling you to anything. I'm telling you, you need to activate the word that God releases in your life. He releases it to you, then you release it back to him. (laughs) That's called prayer. (laughs) That's a good word, Scott. 
Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, decisions. Song of Solomon says, I will arise now and go about. Moses in Exodus, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. David in Psalms, thy face, O Lord, will I seek. He's not saying, God, you got to seek me. I'm going to make a decision to seek you, Lord. Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles, he set himself to seek the Lord. you got to set yourself to seek the Lord. It's not pastor's job. It's not JoJo's job. It's not Brent's job. It's, it's not Shane's job. Shane's job is not for, for your worship life. His job is to be a worshiper himself as a leader and not even to lead you necessarily into worship, but for himself to be a worshiper, to create an atmosphere in this house, to host the presence of God. That's his job. His job isn't to worship for you. His job isn't to play for you and put on a concert for you. This isn't a concert. This isn't a concert hall. This is God's house. And it's not to worship anybody or anything but him. That's it. It's not JoJo's job to, to, to raise your kids. It is not. He is not their dad. I don't care how terrible your dad was or your mother were. Nobody can take that place. Yes, you can be a spiritual father and mother, a mentor to raise people up, but don't let people walk around calling you daddy, mama. If it's not your daddy or your mama, you, you keep that to the person. Yes. said, honor your father and your mother, not just because they were good. Honor your father and mother, period. And then this promise is coming to you. My dad didn't do everything right, but you know what? I honor him. And nobody else is going to take his place because I'm believing God that one day, boom, the lights are going to come on and he's going to be able to be the daddy that maybe he should have always been. But until then, me as a spiritual mentor and father to my own dad. Sometimes we think it's just the 80-year-olds talking to the 20-year-olds. Sometimes the 80-year-olds have lived so, so long that they're just a kid. And a 20-year-old has more wisdom than an 80-year-old. Years doesn't add wisdom if you don't allow it to. You have to make a decision. Daniel said, I will set my face unto the Lord God. Many times we are not waiting on God. He is waiting on us to decide. Evan Roberts asked his pastor if he could preach. What came out was the Welsh Revival. Pastor was unsure of this young man, coal miner. So he lets him preach after a prayer meeting on Monday night. That's not really the main stage, is it, Lee? Hey, I know you got a word burning in you. How about Monday night prayer meeting? I mean, we're, we're, we're in this area of, well, you know, this, this area of Scotland and this area of the UK where it gets dark at 3.30 in the afternoon. So let's go to a 7 o'clock at night prayer meeting on a Monday night. And then after we're done praying for two hours, I'll let you preach. That really wasn't being set up to succeed, was it? 17 people stayed. Evan began to share on the secret place, and the meeting was horrible people didn't respond he interrupted his message three times to pray because there was no movement he continued by 10 p.m all 17 had testified of their faith in jesus christ that's it they just got up and said i am a son i am a daughter that was monday on friday he sends a letter 
to the national newspaper, we are on the eve of a great and grand revival of which the world has never seen. Nobody was laid out in the spirit. They didn't even come to the altar for prayer. They just got up and said, I believe in Jesus Christ. 17 people testified of their faith. And he says, you're fixing to see something that you've never seen before. We would have to have 100,000 people get on their face before God screaming out. It would have to be on CNN and Fox News for us to believe that it was a mighty revival. Right. 17 people got up and said, I believe in Jesus. And Evan Roberts said, revival's about to break out. And it did. Within a year, over 100,000 people gave their life to Jesus. He grabbed a hold of what he heard. He was not moved by what he saw in the natural. All he needed was to decide that all I got is the cloud the size of a man's hand. I just hear the sound of rain, but I'm making a decision. God's about to wreck this place. You know, it's easy to say it's a revival when revival's happening. That doesn't take discernment or rocket scientists or anything else. I can bring an unsaved person into a revival meeting and say, hey, what is this? Well, it's a revival meeting. I read the sign. but what are you doing when you're in a room with five people and nobody says anything and you don't even feel like God's in the room and somebody stands up and says, God's about to wreck this place. We're going to have a revival. Are you going to be the one that says, you know what, I'm with you. Let's come into agreement. One can put 1,000, two can put 10,000. Let's set an agreement. I believe it. Are you going to be the one that says, you don't know what you're talking about. There's only five people here. Shane's not here to lead worship. JoJo's not here to take care of the kids. Lee's not here to give a word. Brent's not here to take care of the little bitty ones. I mean, we can't do this. I mean, this isn't. See how we've relegated the Holy Spirit to this little bitty thing. Thing, thing, thing. (laughs) Not him. (laughs) The last thing is this, diligence. Diligence. Song of Solomon chapter 3, verse 2 says, In the streets and in the squares I will seek the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. The watchmen who go about the city found me. I said, Have you seen the one I love? Scarcely had I passed by them when I found the one I love. I held him and would not let him go. Diligence means going beyond the norm. A Chinese prisoner fasted for 76 days, food and water. That was it. No food, no water, no nothing. 76 days. Prayed for salvation for the prisoners who were beating him. At the end of 76 days, in supernatural strength, he stood up, shaking, and began to preach, and all 15 repented on the spot. That's diligence. Mark chapter 10, Bartimaeus says, I don't want to sit here blinking blindly. They said, be quiet, calm down. Why should I calm down? I know somebody has walked on the scene. I can't see them because I don't have any eyes. But my knower, I know you English teachers are going crazy. My knower knows somebody just stepped on the scene that can make me see again. And I am not going to shut up. As a matter of fact, I'm going to get a little louder. (laughs) I mean, I respect your authority and everything, but you're not looking at what needs to happen right now. The woman with the costly oil in Matthew 26 walks into a room where the man who owned the house should have already served Jesus and washed his feet, but he didn't do it. How many times do we invite Jesus into our house and we treat him just like a commoner? And then somebody who's not even supposed to be in the house and hadn't even been invited walks in. And everybody says, don't you know what she did? Don't you know who she is? And all she does is stand behind him and weep. 
And the moment he turns around, she falls on the ground and pours everything she has out. She breaks her flask and pours every single thing out. And what are they worried about? How much it costs. See, when you break yours open before the Lord, you're not worried about the cost. But those who are uncomfortable with him will only look at the cost. <laughs> How about in Arkansas language, the Syrophoenician woman? Mark chapter 26, she crossed every racial barrier, social norm, and tradition to seek him. Diligence. Diligence takes you beyond the comfort zone. It takes you beyond yourself. These entries were in John Wesley's diary. Sunday morning, May 5th, priest at St. Anne's was asked not to come back. Sunday p.m., May 5th, priest at St. John's, deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday a.m., May 12th, priest at St. Jude's, can't go back, back there either. Sunday p.m., May 12th, priest at St. George's, kicked out again. Sunday a.m., May 19th, priest at St. Somebody Else's, deacons called special meetings, said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, priest on the street, kicked off the street. Sunday a.m., May 26th, preached in a meadow, chased out of the meadow as the bull was turned loose during the service. I know some bull that's been turned loose in some services, but it wasn't a Brahma. That's a good word right there. Sunday a.m., June 2nd, preached out at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., June 2nd, afternoon service, preached in a pasture, 10,000 people came to hear me. Wow. Diligence. All he had was a cloud the size of a man, the sound of rain while he was being kicked out of every venue. Yeah. You're a terrible preacher, boy. Yeah. We're still talking about John Wesley. Exactly. We're not talking about a lot of charismatic preachers that sounded real good during his time. Yeah. People don't even know their name. Yeah. Why? They flamed out. Yes. They never cleaned out the ashes. Their clothes look good, but they never cleaned out the ashes. The question for us tonight is, is the fire burning brightly on the altar of your heart, or has the fire gone out? Do you need to ask for a fresh move and a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit? And as the minister tonight, I'm going to tell you, I do. Every day. I'm tired of preachers getting up in front of people and making them feel like they are so holy and they got angels' wings just sprouting off their backside. My life is not easy. It's fairly hard in the natural because I have decided to carry an anointing God's given me that I'm very uncomfortable with. There are a lot of other places some days that I'd rather be. But I can tell you this, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than in the presence of God. And if his presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going. I'm not going. That means I don't get to go a lot of places sometimes because the presence says, nope, not going there. But God, what an opportunity. Nope, not going there. God, I really want to go to India and I want to stand before 10,000 people. And God says, you're going to go to India, but I'm going to send you to Haryana where the Hindus have taken over the Christian churches and had purifications over Christians, and I want you to prophesy to those Hindus. 
I'm not sure I want to do that, Lord. What if they have a purification service over me? He said, you've already been purified because you got the fire. Yeah. Love to stand before millions of Muslims and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. See them all run forward. But God says, I'm going to send you to a little scarf booth in the middle of a marketplace next to a tarot card reader. And I'm going to give you a word about that Muslim man when he was eight years old. And I want you to tell it to him. And when you tell it to him, look to those that are at the tarot card table and tell them they're at the wrong table to come to your table. So I went to the Muslim man, gave him a word from Jesus. I didn't just say God, I said Jesus. It's pretty important with a Muslim. I made the distinction. I wasn't talking about little G God. I'm talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm, just talk, I'm not just talking about a God. I'm talking about the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And I give him this word, and this guy just drops everything he has, and he's just staring at me, and he says, what are you? Turned to the tarot card table, and I said, come to my table. Threw their cards down and had an opportunity to pray over all of them. I left there with cashmere scarves and all kinds of cool things. It's crazy what happens. <laughs> When you give a prophetic word to a business person, man, I mean, stuff starts flying your way. I'm just saying, man, you don't even have to try if you just be obedient. And then as I was walking away, the Lord said, give him your watch. I was like, Lord, man, this is a brand new watch. Give him your watch. Turned around, gave him my watch. He looked at me and said, you'll never believe this this morning. Somebody stole my watch on the way here. And I said, God, if you're there, please give me a watch today. That's from Muslim. Now, that's not accounted to me and because I'm courageous or anything. That's just if the fire would not have been burning in my life that day, I would have missed that. If I had not humbled myself before the Lord and said, burn up anything that's in me, Lord, that doesn't need to be in me. Now, put your Bibles up. I want everybody just to look at me. I'm going to read this word for word because I believe it is a, this is not a sermon. I believe this is a prophetic word over the house, and for somebody individually. You will go beyond where you have never been in the past. You had fire in one season, but now you will go beyond and be fire for the next season. You will draw back the bow and shoot beyond where you have gone in the past, and you will go beyond. It's almost like you were lost in a in a storm, in snow, and you've been pressing to find your way out. You're almost through the forest, but you feel like you need to lie down and sleep, that it is too hard to press on through. The fire is coming in you and melting away what is trying to cause you to slumber in this season. I am rekindling your soul, for there is an identity in you that is going to be fiery and will burn your way through this next season. Momentum is coming through this fire gate. Your soul has been dry and your soul has cried, but today there is a sound of rushing waters in your soul that is causing your soul not only to be healed, but to see. Allow the rivers flowing from my throne to flow into your soul so that your soul comes alive in me with new energy to press forward. Your soul will now see. You have not seen your identity reflect the deep desires within you. I am causing a river to cause a reflection to come through you that you have not yet seen. Remove that which is not reflecting me. Words have been spoken over you that stopped you from digesting my word in the past. 
and stopped you with fear from branching out into places that I am calling you to branch out into. Those words are now being pushed out by the river and the fire in you so that you will have a boldness to say, this is who I am. There is a smell of sacrifice that I'm calling to arise from my people because the fire that was once burning has been rekindled. You have smelled the burning from the past but have not seen the fire. Smell the burning and watch for the fire will come alive and I am blowing on the fire. The smell of burning is on you, but now the fire will blaze in you. There must be a release of new fire through my people. Ask me to open that fire gate and cause the smell of burning that has been purifying you in the last several months to turn to a new blazing fire. The fat is going in the fire. You have been trying to get rid of spiritual weights and the fat is going in the fire. And the fire gate of heaven is opening and the fat is in the fire. You will move toward the river and go beyond the river and beyond the depth you have ever been in the past. Lee, I'm going to give that to you. I'm not just some birdshot hit and miss prophet. I believe that the prophet is subject to the house and the authority that God puts in the house. That's why I gave that to Lee. That's up to him to filter through that and what God is saying to this place. It's not up to me. It's just up to me to release that word. And for some of you, that was something that you saw as a house. For others of you, it was something you saw as an individual. God's calling something, a fresh burning in you. You've had a desire, but it just hasn't measured up. See, some of you want to soar, but you feel like a hippopotamus inside. I think Carl Sandburg said that. You want to soar like an eagle, but you feel like a hippopotamus inside. It's hard to soar like an eagle when you feel like a hippopotamus inside, right? Some of you are standing on the edge of the cliff, and you're looking, and you're going, man, Lord, I don't, I don't know what this is all about. And you're very uncomfortable, which is great, because eaglets are very uncomfortable before they go out of the nest, because Mama makes sure of that. But mama doesn't let them go off without flying way under. So that if they happen to fall, that they go on those wings. And then they mount up on wings as eagles. And then when mom puts them in the nest, what happens? They are now under the shadow. You see what I'm saying? God doesn't put things in the word just to, oh, that sounds good. That's great. Everything's got a purpose, and everything's got a plan. Shane, would you come? Appreciate you guys giving me a little extra. I know tonight was a little bit different than last night. I just felt like that this was not a night to cut anything short. Everything I had to say, I had to say. (laughs) I didn't want to leave Heber Springs tomorrow morning heading back to Shreveport and go, man, I wish I would have released that word. Man, I I wish I would have. I wish I would have been obedient, Lord, and said that. And I know it's a lot of stuff. I'm not asking you to remember everything I said. I'm asking you now to activate what God said to you. See, if five people come to this altar and we pray over them, there's not a success or a failure. God's going to be glorified because we have hosted him tonight in this place. If all of you come down to this altar, we're not judging a church's health. 
by what we see in the natural. A hundred people could come to this altar and walk away filled with ashes and old clothes. But I think what would be awesome is almost all of you come down here and all those ashes are left right here, taken to a clean place and you walk out of here with clean clothes, wood on the fire, burning brightly, fresh and anew. <laughs> so that wherever dark place you go to tomorrow and maybe even tonight, all of a sudden it's not dark anymore because the light has shown up. <laughs> yeah, I love God. Ugh. I'm not going to claim to be the seer of seers, but I'm going to give this word out. This was sent to me by a, a young lady in her 30s. She's been saved about three or four years. Man, she got an unbelievable prophetic gift. She doesn't understand it all, but she's so pure. She is filled with the word every day. Has more compassion than anybody that I know. But here's what she sent me today. She said, Pastor, it's kind of crazy because actually my job, I was in Arkansas today, and then you sent me a, a text saying, I need you to pray today as an intercessor because you were in Arkansas doing a meeting. <laughs> and I woke up this morning, and my boss said, Hey, I need you in Arkansas today. <laughs> and then I got your text. <laughs> and she said, Pastor, this is so weird. As I was driving, God gave it to me. It was such a, a different way. But here's... She said, when I started praying, there was an older man carrying burdens that weren't his to carry. He serves the Lord and loves him very much. The Lord wants to refresh him. She said, I saw water running from the top of his head like a pitcher of water, and he was overcome with deep joy, a laughter, like he couldn't believe it. I don't know who that's for. And look, I'm not offended if... You're not going to offend me by anything. You can walk out right now, I'm good because I did exactly what the Lord told me to do. I'm not one to, to, to get offended that, well, you know, that didn't come to pass. Well, forgive me. I humble myself. Maybe I filtered it through the wrong thing. But I promise you this, I'll never shut up. And I'll never be silent. Because I can promise you, if God gives you something to say and you don't say it, that's a whole lot worse than missing it a little bit if you say it whole lot worse and so if you're in this place and you're that person you need to come to me when we start praying I'm not going to make a show of this thing I'm not a showman and I'm not a salesman we're not going to do that here Holy Spirit you are not only welcome in this place but you are welcome on the altar of our heart